You cannot escape the responsibility of tomorrow by evading it today. Abraham Lincoln. Bending, not breaking. Episode 2. The Avatar Returns. Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. You are here with Sunshine Mayfield and my co-host Ben Pruitt. And we are ready to jump into the next episode of Avatar The Last Airbender, The Book of Water, Book 1, Episode 2, The Avatar Returns. And so last week we talked about the very first episode, The Boy in the Iceberg, and that was through a lens of trust. This week we are looking at The Avatar Returns through a lens of responsibility and so we're going to go through step by step and just talk about what we what we noticed this episode what were the things that kind of um popped up for us but also again another reminder um we appreciate we feel like we have a responsibility to tell you about all the things in this episode but another reminder is that you should probably have seen this episode you you should have at least watched this episode and it's probably not a bad idea to watch the rest of the season at least before kind of diving in with us on this but we will also allude to things in the future of the series and what that happens so this is uh, your fair warning that spoilers will be a part of this show moving forward and so Ben last week did a 20 word recap of the episode for the boy in the iceberg it was fine it was fine now it's my turn I've got 19 words to recap the avatar returns so here it is. I believe in you. Thank you. Booby Trap brings Fire Nation to South Pole. Aang comes to give himself up, then escapes with sibling assistance. I get it. And I misread that. Sibling's assistance was what I wanted to do, but uh, it's already done. It's already etched. Too late. It's etched in the world of time on this show forever on the interwebs, so I can't take it back. How does it feel? I don't like it. I, th- I feel like I could have done better. And if you think you could have done better, tweeted us your 19-word recap for this episode at the Arc of E. But we're going to move forward now. A lot of stuff. we got a lot of things to unpack, and I think that we watch... Just so y'all know how we kind of go through our process, what happens is Ben and I will watch it by ourselves, take notes. We'll watch it together and kind of ask questions but not give answers, just kind of things that we were thinking about. Um, Then we might watch it one more time by ourselves, and then we come together to record this podcast. And so we've seen these episodes a good amount of time. Not to mention... Not to mention all the previous views that we've we've seen. Um, So what happens, Ben? How's the episode start? I want you to be the one that... That really walks us through this chronologically. I gotcha. So here's first things first. How would you like to have the weight and burden of saving the world on your shoulders? Oh my god, I don't want that. That sounds uh, like it would suck. It's a lot of responsibility. responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, like, oh my god, Aang has so much weight on his shoulders and he's not shared that with anybody at this point, right? At the beginning of this episode. We don't know that he's the Avatar. Yeah, we technically don't know that he's the Avatar yet. Yep, this has all gone down. He gets out of the iceberg. The Fire Nation sees the light beam. 
Um, he sets off the booby trap um, that sends the flare into the air. Yeah. And now we are here with the two of them walking back to the tribe after knowing that they messed up. Not only would you like to have the weight in, of the, in that burden on your shoulders, but how would you like to have that weight on you at age 12? It's too much. Right? It's too much. It's too much. And I just think that, like, how often are we putting so much burden, maybe not the weight of the world, but I, I, I guarantee you if you were to go talk to teens, and I work with teens a lot in my work, if you go talk to a lot of teens, they feel like they have the weight of the world on their shoulders. Yeah. And frankly, they don't have anywhere close to it. What, but to Ang, them, what Ang's got is a, a whole lot more. Yeah. But like, to them, it is the weight. It is. And it seems like more and more in our day and age and in our culture and our society, people have a heavier and heavier burden at an earlier and earlier age. Well, what does that stem from? Where, is that, where does that come from? Well, in this scenario, I wonder if it comes from the fact that, you know, they're in a consistent state of wartime. For the past 100 years, they've been in this state. And I wonder if that, again, leads to... We talked about how, like, it leads to a lack of trust in Sokka last episode. I wonder if it is just cultivating as a sense of, like, immense responsibility, perhaps an unwarranted amount of responsibility on a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, he's... We've got this kid who's 12 years old, and he is being tasked because of fate, because of destiny, that he has this responsibility that he never asked for. Um, and honestly, I think that that parallels with us. There's a lot of responsibility that we as people have for each other. Um, my personal beliefs that we do and that we yeah. don't that we don't ask for and, and and how does that play out in our lives but so they walk back up they're coming yeah. from the ship so yeah now we've got back up we're going back to the tribe where everybody's there and they're like ang's gotta go well the very first thing he does too is he takes responsibility for this yes that's like, exactly the, what I put. the very first thing he does is he he walks up and he had no idea of knowing it wasn't his fault like he knew that they probably shouldn't have gone on the ship but he didn't know that that was going yeah. to happen. And the very first thing he says is, don't blame Katara. I made her go on the boat. This is on me. Well, and he could have said anything in that moment. But instead, he, he owned it and said, this is my mistake. Like, I know that I've missed the boat on doing that. When it, like, and it, was it Aang's fault? It was the one who Aang urged Katara to go in. It was like, he's drove that. But ultimately, that's a shared burden of responsibility, I think. And then the way that Grand Grand reacts is she blames Katara. She blames Aang and says Aang's got to go. But like she you knew better. She said she because she has that relationship with Katara, she puts it on Katara, right? And so I wonder, like, how does that manifest when we with our loved ones, with our friends? How often do we hold the wrong person accountable? because of a either a lack of relationship or because of our relationship right yeah it's interesting to think about and so he gets to this point where you know katara knows the truth of what went down and so she thinks it's unfair that that yeah. ang's ang's going and so he um she says well if he's going i'm going to that's right absolutely and at this moment we get a weird interesting moment of Aang being like, I don't want to rip you and your family apart. Sokka's in a place of, I can't believe you're about to leave the tribe and the family for a stranger. 
Um, well, and like, let me ask you that question. Like, would you choose the tribe or would you choose a stranger that you met that day? Well, and so uh, when I think about that, when I'm looking at what, what's going on there, there's a couple things. Katara's got this magical ability that she knows that Aang can help with and can help ma- her master. Yeah. Or at least get her to a place of they can learn how to master water together. But she, again, she doesn't know that he's the avatar, but she goes, master bender, novice bender. Even if he's only got air, he's going to be able to be productive for me, and this is my calling. Yep. She knows it at this point, so this is my calling. Um, and then she's got family that she feels connected to. That's a terrible... The responsibility of that decision alone is is very difficult. But I'm thinking, does her grandma have a responsibility of her letting her live into her beliefs or letting her live into her potential? And does she need to step up and say, like, no, this is this. you're right, this is your calling... I find that really interesting that you say that because I said the exact same thing about Grand Grand talking to Sokka. So Sokka, again, has this responsibility for the tribe, and we're about to see Zuko show up. And we're about to see Sokka like put his war paint on. We're about to see Sokka get ready for this. And he is the lone warrior about to face an entire Fire Navy ship. Right? And so why doesn't Grand Grand feel some responsibility around helping him to realize that this is not a winning battle like right this is not something that he can he can legitimately take on and win well and grand Grand, as the elder of the tribe is she's she needs to protect Sokka as well and Sokka's got this idea of that his responsibility is to protect everyone to the point where he feels so compelled to live into that because all right so like ang leaves yep ang, ang goes gone. away this is it's irrelevant he, he leaves he and appa bye bye katara doesn't go with him she stays with the family um and then the fire navy ship starts to show up and yep. so we start Here all this we see all this war battle things going on and Sokka is standing on the edge of this you know this mound this mound or this fence or semi wall thing. thing that he's standing there and this massive ship is coming to him, which isn't a massive ship when you look at the rest of the Navy fleet for the Fire Nation. But compare for him, it is the you know the Titanic is about to smack right into him. Yeah. And he stands there, willing to fight, knowing that there is no hope in in him winning. This. See, the thing is, I don't think he thinks there is no hope. I wonder if he does, but he he's so ingrained into this responsibility of I have to be here to protect the tribe that. He's gonna try to fight with all of his might, regardless of what the situation. So claims. he's gonna martyr himself. Yes, yeah, and just if that means that he's he's creating a smidgen of time to let his family get away, that that's what he's gonna do. Um, and part of that too might not be the knowledge that if his responsibility is to protect the family, do they have the ability to just get up and run? Do they have the ability to to run away from this, or um, is fighting the the best way for him to be, live into the responsibility of protecting his tribe? But he does it, and he's willing to do it to such a fault. And so part of my question for that is, at what point like, do we believe that our responsibility is so firmly in something that we're willing to hurt ourselves over it? Yeah. Um, and what does that look like? And is it worth it sometimes, or is sometimes it's not worth it? Or what, what does that mean for your own personal safety and mental well-being that he was willing to fight a ship with a boomerang and a stick? Well, and I think some people would call that brave, and I think some people would call him an idiot. Right. Right? And so I think it's all about that perspective. So Zuko shows up. They start, you know, duking it out. Sokka throws his boomerang. Tee-hee-hee. It comes back, hits Zuko in the face. Zuko is standing over him with fire daggers, about to do something rash. 
Aang shows back up. Yep, and so where does that come from? Why does why does Aang even even approach it? And I think part of it is this just the link with people, but why does he feel the responsibility and the need to come back and and protect or at least show up to, uh, as a part of the Fire Nation well, as the Fire Nation's there. And you you see all through episode 1 how like Katara and Aang especially are building this bond. Mm-hmm. Like they go penguins penguin sledding together. I haven't done this since I was a kid. And like you are still a kid and like it just hark back to like living in the moment of being a child and having fun and I, I, I'm gonna ask this question in a second but what responsibility do we have to have fun right Aang has fun in the middle of all this angst right and he's able to still maintain that fun well what's the line at one point when Sokka says like you can't fight the fire navy with or you can't fight the fire nation with fun and Sang goes have you tried <laughs> Yeah, and that's well, it's like, like exactly, and it's just one of those things where I think that Aang comes back and, through immense self-sacrifice, is willing to say, "This is not their burden to bear; it's my responsibility." I think he partly feels that yeah, that he was responsible for signaling them in the first place, so he's going to feel responsible for. So that guilt drove him to doing what I believe is the right thing to do in that yeah. moment. And he comes in and he helps and he goes and he, I think he realizes that now's not the time to fight and gives himself up. Yep. You know, he knows that it, by doing that and getting on the ship with Zuko. Well, it's also right now, this is the reveal of Aang as the Avatar, mm-hmm. right? And so Aang, like Zuko, the, you're the Avatar? And they're like, you didn't tell me? And like, and there's this whole moment. And so like, he feels responsible for this whole village. He agrees to go. He, he doesn't want to scare the kids. Like there's that moment where you see very clearly that one child like gets scared and that's the moment he turns himself in. Mm-hmm. He comes back preparing to defend the village instead of fighting because that child is scared. He chooses to then go quietly, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that's really interesting too. Well, one of the things that you brought up that I think is an interesting moment is the fact that it's revealed, this huge burden is revealed on him. He finally lets this off of his chest and the response is, one, you're the avatar from Zuko, but also, like, how? why didn't you tell me? Yeah. When, what's the responsibility we have to not approach situations that way? Because you, you're dealing with a 12-year-old who's dealing with something way over his head. He doesn't share this because it, it's something that he's struggling with and grappling with. And he finally, it finally does come out, and your response is shame or guilt of why didn't you tell me this so i find it apt that you just use the phrase coming out right because i want to draw a parallel to what it means like to think about what it feels like to come out of the closet Mm -hmm. and it's it's the exact same thing i think because what happens is when someone comes out of the closet why didn't you tell me why didn't you share this with me before i thought we were friends i thought like that just puts more burden on the person who is sharing something that's really vulnerable to them Right? And that's just, it's not a helpful conversation to have. And so I, I totally want to validate the fact that you feel hurt because I didn't share something with you. But I also want you in this moment to realize that I'm the one who is sharing something that's really hard. And I want you to validate the fact that I am in struggle and I'm, I'm in hurt right now. Yeah, I'm looking for support, not necessarily more judgment on this. 
Yeah, and so I just think it's our responsibility to, again, hark back to episode one of it's our responsibility to build up our competence around some emotional maturity on how to respond to people and emotions and things so that we don't make it worse by responding in a way that isn't helpful. No. And so he gives himself up because he sees the child being this, the, the fear in the child's eyes and yeah. puts himself onto this boat. Well, um, before that, I think it's really important to think about what Zuko says in this moment. Right? Zuko says, I'm going home. That is such a big statement for him because mm-hmm. this is what this this he's, is the motive behind everything he's been him. doing this for the last couple of years he's been trying to, to restore his honor and this is he finally believes that he's doing what is well best. And i think it's re- he wants to restore his honor and i'm using quotations there he wants to restore his honor but really the motive is i'm going home mm-hmm. i want to go home and I just think that that statement is a huge reveal into the motives behind why Zuko is doing what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think that will probably come up again in terms of the lens as we think about what is his responsibility and at what, what responsibility is that given to him and what part of that is something that he feels he is responsible for because that is his driver. And so one of the things that popped up for me in this, so he gets off the boat, he has his seven, six or seven henchmen that are with him, and they're capturing a child. They are realizing that the, av- the Avatar is a child. Um, and so if I'm assuming the best in the people that are there, what is this, we kind of get in this role of, you're apprehending a child for the point of you're being told to do, and you're being told this is your responsibility, What's our personal responsibility with, that when others kind of give that to us, that we say, no, this isn't right, no, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, but then also, like, if we assume that they're acting because we we have an understanding of what the Fire Lord is like. We've seen this the scar on, on Prince Zuko's face. Um, Interesting. So are they acting out of responsibility to the Fire Lord because they feel like they want to, you know, it is a privilege to serve him? Or is it out of fear? fear and that they know if they have a responsibility to protect their family, and they know that they get caught not following the orders, that their family's going to end up, you know, facing a similar fate. And so it's either Aang or maybe their family at home and so I, well, I think it starts to get into this argument that's been around for a while of you're either follow- with him or against him well, you're, you're, yeah. you're following orders are you a part of it what's your responsibility in this? Well, what personal it. responsibility like, do you you're have either with control? the fire lord in this moment or you're not mm-hmm. and if you're not you're going to get hurt and so they feel like they have to live into this it's their responsibility to do so for the sake of the safety of their family the safety of right but and I think oh, that it's oh. dangerous to think about life as a binary mm-hmm. in general but yeah it's not that they're good or bad they're those the soldiers that are with prince zuko might be great people and they're doing bad things because of the fear but it also might be that they truly believe what they're doing and they believe that taking the avatar is the what's best for everyone and maybe their families are celebrated at home and they don't have anything wrong going on so you can't live in this either good or bad it is this constant gray area but at some point they do have a responsibility to say hey we're terrorizing a village of children and elderly people with yeah. and capturing a 12 year old and so what is that 
really look like in the terms of responsibility. That was just something interesting that kind of popped up for me. Well, honestly, you know what that really brings up for me that it didn't before is there is a lot of callback right now to Nazism, neo-Nazism, and things like that. And we are in a place where people are starting to say we, we can't be against it because we're for people and we have to be you know kind to people and where does the where does it lie where we have to set a boundary and say what you are standing for is not acceptable what you are standing for is hateful and it's unkind you are targeting a child Mm -hmm. right and so i think that what this is bringing up for me just just to reflect is I need to really call into question the language that our media is using. I need, really need to call into question a lot of things around how we are talking about discrimination and hate in our in our country today. Well, and as we go forward, we'll, we'll even kind of be able to talk about... Aang has always been a person who believes, I think, the best in everyone. I agree. He normally assumes the best in everyone. You will see that in his interactions on how he escapes from the fire Absolutely. ship um, through that. And so there is a little bit of the benefit of the doubt of these might be good people who are misled. They might be good people who are fearful. They might be people who think that this is the right thing to do. And so when is it your actions are unacceptable? They are promoting these things. You may or may not be a bad person, but regardless, this is what your actions are. And... Because I think a lot of times we got on defensive, like, we're going to hold you accountable to that. Like, I don't believe that you're a bad person, but you are currently making bad bad decisions. Right. So before we get, uh, we'll come back to that in a second, but let's think about this first. So Aang goes, Zuko says, I'm going home. And then we flash back to the village where Katara's like, we we owe him. We have to go find him. And then she just goes off on Sokka and says, you don't trust him. And And Sokka's like, are you coming with me or not? Yep. My boat, the boat's ready to go. So Sokka's finally on board. And Grand Grand is on board. Mm-hmm. Grand Grand has done a 180. At the beginning of the episode, she was like, he needs to go. Sokka was like, he needs to go. Katara was like, I want him to stay, but I, like, I'm going to choose my family. And now all three of them are like, this is important. Because they find out that he is the Avatar. Grand Grand's mind changes because she, for the first time, she says that she has hope. Right? Mm-hmm. And so at what point does hope become a driving force for us making the responsible decision? We are seeing right now a, a distinct change in what happens when you are making decisions out of fear. Yes. And decisions out of love and hope. Yes. And so you start to see what happens here is we know what's the best. Like you, you're going to see Katara get to live into her best self. Sokka's gonna grow and learn. The village is fine. Like Sokka is learning that like the Fire Nation was only really after the Avatar, and they left. He's important. We've got to go help him out. Um, and he knows that his village is gonna be okay. Hopefully, as he's gone. But he they they start to see like we're making decisions out of out of hope and out of change and out of creating a better life. Activism. Um, activism versus fear. Um, reluctance, mistrust. Yeah, and I just, that really brings up for me that we have a responsibility to cultivate hope in our culture today. Like, it, 
when we are in this mindset of like, ah, oh, I'm so tired of this and I'm this is making me angry and all that, and we just sit there in that discomfort of all the things that are going wrong, we lose hope. No, are you actively making decisions out of fear and protection from fear? Or are you actively making decisions based off of, we know this is wrong, we know this isn't okay, but we're doing this for the purpose of providing hope for the future. And what does that change and look like? Yeah. yeah. So then we move on, we go back to being on the Fire Nation ship, and Zuko's giving off all these things, you do this, you do this, and then he gives something to, to Iroh and says, hey, you need to do this. It's, it's, uh, it's Aang's... That's right. It's Aang's glider. Aang's gives glider. Him a, and it's a stick. They don't know it's a glider. It's just a, his stick. His staff. Yep. Right? And then he gives it to Iroh, and Iroh's like, hey, why don't you deal with this? And, and immediately passes off the responsibility. To a nameless henchman. Yes. What we come... And me and you kind of chatted about this as we are watching it. Is he shaking responsibility? Or we learn about Iroh in, in the future is that he is about balance. He believes in everyone. He wants to create perfect balance in the world. He is what is best for everyone is what's best. Well, he believes in the Avatar being what the Avatar was meant to do. A balance in the in the universe. Creating balance yeah. in the universe, right? And so the question, as you're alluding to, is, is he shirking responsibility on purpose so that Aang can escape more easily because he knows that this henchman is probably not going to do it as well as he probably would have mm -hmm. if he were protecting the Avatar, or is he lazy? Yeah. Right? And we kind of get the sense that they kind of pin him as this lazy, like, teacher. He's but a glutton. He's, he's old, and he's just kind of there, but he's he's providing guidance as the uncle. Um, but as we know, you know, is he really just setting himself up for one so he can't be questioned if something does go down and he's not there to stop it, then he has reasonable deniability of kind of being like, I had no idea that he escaped. That's crazy. We, Yep, let's go get him. Or right. is he saying, you know, he's just sitting there and, and making it so the Avatar can get away. Because as we see, the Avatar immediately gets his hands behind his back. Um, and it's tied with rope. Starts chatting up with the, with the nameless henchman. And then... Boom, airbending, and he's on the run. Yeah. So flash, flashing back to a different part, right? And so you get to the part where uh, Sokka is in Katara chasing after the Fire Navy ship. Mm -hmm. And uh, they Appa comes in like, oh, Appa! And so now they're like, okay, they're on Appa. He's not flying yet. And so they're just sitting there trying to get him to fly, and they're just like, what is it? Is it ya ya? Is it... Uh, Yahoo! Is it Wee Wee? Is it Yip Yip? And all of a sudden, Appa zooms into the air, and Sokka flips out. Mm -hmm. He's like, oh my god, this is incredible! Wow! Right? Until he catches Katara's eye, and she's got a little smirk on her face. She's got this smug look in her eye, where like, I knew you would let go eventually. I knew you had it in you. And then, and then boom. He, boom! The emotional straitjacket comes on. Right? And so... I wonder if this plays into Sokka's. Well, he says like as soon as that happens, it goes like I mean, it's cool, like it's cool. That he's it's fine. It's, it's just, fine. It's super fine. Yeah, because so he finally, in my eyes, was being himself without a filter. 
He doesn't have the responsibility of protecting the tribe. He doesn't have this overburden of, like, what happens when the Fire Nation comes. He's already experienced that now. Right in that moment, right? And then everything lets go. Pure, unadulterated joy. Yeah. And then as soon as that comes into check, he immediately starts to hide all of those good and happy, joyous feelings, right? And so I wonder if that's... Is that his manliness that he is? He has to be the man of the house. He has to be. Is that him? Is that harking back to that? Is that the fact that like what is that that's making him go back into it? One thing it goes back to it's a quick reminder of the like oh my responsibility is is the protector and the warrior and if I'm going to be taken seriously seriously as as those things, I can't be giddy. I can't be you know losing my cool over. A flying bison I have to be I have to show no emotion and so I think he feels that it, his responsibility is to live into the role still as the warrior and protector probably even over Katara like I think he is he is acting as to him as the bodyguard on this journey yep. um and so he can't lose his cool like that so the moment that he knows that he's doing it and knows that someone else saw him doing it right back into the shell um, and putting on his armor back on uh, yeah. to protect himself from from that. And one of my favorite authors, one of our favorite authors, her name is Brene Brown. Um, she talks about how being cool is like being in an emotional straitjacket. And I, I really think that that is just so visible in this scene where he has to be cool in order to maintain status quo. And it puts him in an emotional straitjacket where he's not allowed to feel his feelings. And so I just think that's a really that really spoke to me when I that's immediately what I thought of when I saw that scene. Yeah, it's just that really interesting moment of finally letting go and being yourself, um, having fun, and yeah. what does that look like? And again, that goes back to what responsibility do we have to play? Well, we'll see, we'll talk about this probably a little bit at the end, but like you'll notice when at the end of the episode, Avatar escapes, he's back with the crew. He'll sit there and say, "All right, we know that this is what I got to do. I got to go learn water bending." But, but on the way, but on the way, <laughs> we're going to do these three things because they're going to be fun. Yeah. Um. And so we talked about is that him shaking responsibility and, and still not wanting to embrace his avatarness and his responsibility of creating balance in the world, or does he understand that this will be a la- very long and laborious journey if we don't do things that are fun and enjoyable along the way? Yeah. And so that is, it's interesting how that plays for that. So we go from Sokka freaking out and being, you know, himself for the first time on the show to now we go back to Aang and Zuko as Aang tries to escape, right? So Aang is defensively fighting to get his way out. Yep, so he knocks over a couple guards. He finally sees his staff in a room in the distance, goes into the room, door slams behind him, it's Prince Zuko. Yep. And Prince Zuko is all about like, mm, I knew I should have like taken care of this. Like, I'm not gonna underestimate you. Like, clearly you're good at this stuff. Let's fight. Um, and every step of the way, you see Zuko attacking, and Aang is solely on defense. Every move that he makes is not to to harm, but to just get away. And you see that too as he's getting away from the guards. He blows enough air to knock the guard into a door but he's got the ability to throw these all these guys off the ship and drown them if he wanted to 
but he chooses not to. He's just doing whatever he can to escape. And so I, I, my question is, is that his training as an airbender? Is that the passivity of being an, an air nomad and a monk? Or is that Aang's personality and his, and his style? Mm -hmm. Because he believes in the humanity he, of people. He thinks that people are good. He's going to assume the best. He doesn't want to hurt people. It's almost like a weird Batman complex of, yeah. I'm going to do what I got to do to get done, but I'm, I refuse to, to hurt people along the way. Yeah, and it's just it goes from there until like eventually they get out onto the uh, top deck of the ship. Uh, Zuko and Aang are still duking it out, and Zuko is like clearly like jetting fire emmed, and then finally Aang falls off the ship. Mm -hmm. Aang's like, I can't, I don't know how to deal with this right now, and he gets he falls off the ship. Uh, he falls into the water, and very much harking back to his uh, his dream in episode one of what it was like when he got put into the iceberg mm -hmm. this is what happens again he comes out of that and it goes into what we now know as the avatar, the avatar state. state and so i have a, a very curious question about the avatar state like is that his subconscious responsibility kicking in mm -hmm. is that a loss of control is there so much of a loss of control in the avatar state that there is a fear of uh, like this inability to act responsibly mm -hmm. because in the avatar state he doesn't he goes on offense mm -hmm. right he starts knocking things down and i wonder if eng is become scared of the avatar state because he is out of control and not able to play defensively well and this i think is one of the first times where he notices it and is like asked about it and he's like i don't i don't know yeah, and so I view it more as a your body's self protection. Like this is his body's self protection. Like when they realize that his body needs to regulate or that it's in danger, that it's going to do this um, and make it happen. And we see in the future that he really doesn't even know how to trigger it. Um, even in the second season, when he's being forced to try to trigger it, he has no idea how to. Um, and so I think there is a little bit of fear that comes with that because he's like. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what happened. I don't know what's going on. Like, I just it just did, um, and so I viewed that as a well. Now he knows that he's got a responsibility to figure out the avatar state. Well, yeah. So to be able to control it, um, or does he have a responsibility not to go into it because it is kind of like this ruckus of of damage and and lack of control and that's certainly i think what's going through his mind now but i think that ultimately what comes up is mastery of self again learning about yourself and learning how you react react to mm -hmm. things gives him control of the avatar state in the future right and so right now he is so out of touch with himself and his emotions because he's 12 mm -hmm. that he does feel this loss of control and so and the question, do we have a responsibility in ourselves of... Precisely. Do we have to learn enough about ourselves and the way that we react and the way that our bodies react to things? Because we don't go into the Avatar state, but we kind of do. Like, it's not... We're not turning into this self-destructive three-story tall, like, orb of, of, of water and destruction that ravages the ship. But do we do that emotionally? Do we do that with other people when we feel like we're pushed to the point of, yeah, well, of when we extinction? Get, when we get backed into a corner... We have this uh, emotional hijacking that that happens, and a lot of people call it fight or flight or freeze. But like it's one of the like that in that moment. Are we snapping back at friends because we feel like we're being attacked? Yes. Are we getting 
um, very angry with other people because we don't know the feelings that we're trying to process or what's going on. And so do we, angry so, avatar state. So do we bow up and, and, and create this person who's going to be destructive, whether it's to your relationships or to other people's emotions or well-being, because we don't have our own self-awareness of how our bodies well, and how we react to things. And we don't realize how powerful we really are. Mm -hmm. We don't realize how much of an impact our words have on other people. And oh, our absolutely. actions. Like language matters and things like that. Words matter. Um, like, but an example for, for me on this would be, I know when I'm getting tired or dealing with people on a regular basis and I haven't had, taken time to myself, I start to get sarcastic and quippy. But like, I notice that and because I notice that, it allows me to say, I was just sarcastic with Ben. He didn't deserve that response from me. He didn't do that, but because I'm aware of my body and, and aware of what my... Um, when I'm tired, how I react to things, I'm able to then process that and move forward in a way more productive way. Um, and some people would call that filtering or like not being your true self, but I think my true self is not doing those things that might be well, habitual. And I think your true self is not just acting without a filter. Right. Your true self is living within the values Use that, that you, you have. Yep. Right. And so if I want, if responsibility isn't a value for Aang, and frankly, it really seems like. Aang tries to be responsible in every way that he can, then it feels like he is going to continue to fight defensively. It feels like he's going to continue to do his best to treat each person with humanity and with respect and assume the best like he's doing. Mm -hmm. Even Zuko, who is continuously proving to be a jerk. Yep. Right? Well, And you see it... So Aang starts to get away. He gets picked up. They get on... Um, they're trying to get onto the bison, and as they're doing that, people are coming up on Katara, who's trying to bend water, and she bends water, and she slings it, and it accidentally gets Sokka. Gets Sokka. And so she immediately, knowing that she still needs to work for them to succeed, all she does is she goes, I don't have time to figure out how to do this the right way, but if I turn around and do it the exact same way, I will then again send a freezing water thing behind me, and she freezes the three attackers that are coming after her. And I think that's so interesting because if that were me, I probably would have been like, oh no, what do I do now? Yep. I am clearly not competent enough to be doing this. I would, my inner voices would have started saying, you're not enough. Her inner voice said, well, if you just change it a little bit, yep. and so she just, she just turned around and made a tweak. And so my question coming out of that was, do we have a responsibility um, to try things over and over again until we get them right? Do we have a responsibility to to get back up and try again after we fall off the horse um like what is that play and how do people support us in that but she knew that there's something that had to get done and if it didn't get done it meant to that she might be captured and so she said i've got to, i've got to get up and i've got to try this again and she did and it, it pans out and works for him which was it's a minor part of the story but i feel like it tells a lot about like well how do we get when we try and we fail what is the importance of us being able to get back up and try again? Well, it's also one of those things where, like, it's those small moments where we really see the character. And I think that really speaks to Katara's character, that she's able to process a failure as just a learning and move on to something that helps her move, that helps her to live her life in a better way. So, anyway, after this fight, Iroh conveniently wakes up. Uh, and so again, it calls into question, like, was this intentional so that he could let the Avatar escape? Uh, and it's just something to think about. And then we get 
Aang soaring off into the distance as this uh, all this ice and destruction ravages Zuko's ship, right? Because Zuko tries, Zuko and Uncle Iro try to send a fireball up to Aang to stop him. Yep. Um, even in our own theory of like what Uncle uh, Iroh is doing, we um, I think this is a point where it kind of speaks to since he is present at this moment, he's gonna do his best. He's gotta do. He's gotta try to stop yeah. him, even if he wants to. And so, like, he's gonna live into that and. They try, and then Aang just with a, diverts with, it. Yeah. Diverts it with a glider, and ice comes down. Well, um, we also talk about the responsibility of like Uncle Iroh was sleeping while all of this was going on. Right? Was he actually sleeping, or was he pretending to sleep? But he conveniently shows up just in enough time to see that like Aang and them are getting away. <laughs> and he just kind of is like, huh? Yep. Yeah. So now we've both said that, so I think that's really. Um helpful to just kind of think about and hark back to the same thing earlier was Iroh being lazy with the staff or was he shirking his responsibility on purpose and so again the con- continuous examples of where we see Iroh uh, call into question his motives right? we're not sure exactly where he lies at this point in the show correct so again like Aang never wanted to do the Avatar he's still a child he's 12 years old he keeps hope in this in the face of this responsibility and he agrees to Katara's plan with some fun detours and so you talked about this earlier and I think this is just interesting question to end on is it easier and more bearable to assume a high amount of responsibility if we're building in play and fun yeah and I think the answer is yes right like if we're able to enjoy our responsibilities along the way we're going to be more likely to be successful in what we have to do to get done well and if we don't I think it leads to burnout and I think there's a lot of people in our day and age who are experiencing burnout with their work, experiencing burnout with their lives, with their marriages, with all kinds of things because it's all work and no play because we are living in a place where our society is valuing exhaustion as a status symbol instead of living our wholehearted lives and setting, again, boundaries around, no, I need to have some me time. Well, and this was... this. This episode airs back in 2005, I believe, and so this this is before really the concept of we start to see the pre- prevalence of self-care and what does that look like. And so that was my response. It was just, is he shaking responsibility again by trying to avoid having to go learn these things? Or is he really just sprinkling, sprinkling in some, some self-care because he knows that he'll need it for the future? Um, but yeah, so that's it's an interesting way to end the episode. But what we do see is that even in this moment, they have a conversation about his responsibility of being the avatar and he talks about kind of like never really asking for this to happen and we see a dark gloomy cloud kind of roll over them um but then they talk a little bit more about hope and saving the universe and you see these shining lights happen and this is visually going on in the animation um and so it it leaves with a sense of hope of we're doing the right thing and we're on the right track and um, we're going to help balance the universe. And so that's what you get. I do have a question, though. It's a definite side tangent. Um, but in a moment, I wonder what the parallels we're going to be able to pull from it. When Aang is trying to escape, he swings open the door into the main captain's area of where they're steering the ship. There's one person up there who's, who's manning the steering wheel. And he sees Aang come up out of the floor. He watches him run and watches him leave and doesn't do a thing like doesn't move doesn't doesn't try to stop him and so part of me when i saw that was 
said, well, why doesn't why doesn't he try to stop him? He's a part of the Fire Nation. He knows that they have the Avatar there. He might be the last defense before Aang flies out forever. Why does he not stop him? Does he have a responsibility to stop him? Is he one of the guards that sits there and says, like, you know, I don't actually believe in what we're doing? Or is it that he's so stuck on, he's got to drive the ship that he can't take time to stop the Avatar? And so my question there goes, sometimes... Do we want to help other people, um, not you know, capture a 12-year-old, but do we want to help people in what they're doing, but we have to be so focused on our responsibilities that we aren't able to, or are we able to, and what does that look like? Well, ultimately, it calls into question like the, this concept of the greater good, right? And so whose decision is it to decide what the greater good is? Because mm-hmm. I bet if you'd asked Zuko, he would have said, you should have done everything in your power to, to stop the avatar. the avatar whereas if you ask the captain the greater good might be like if i'm not at this post right now the ship will crash and we will all be in the water yep right and so i wonder i wonder that's an interesting point and it's such a small minor detail that i don't know if there was any intentionality behind that except for the fact that that's what happens um and it's such a three second clip but that's what pops up for me in that and that was just one of those weird things that was just like i was curious as what the the captain's motivations were at that point um on the ship we're at the end of the episode what is the big overarching any anything left on the table that you want to to talk about you know i think for me there's just this constant back and forth between Sokka and Katara and then Zuko and both storylines are providing us with a very different lens of responsibility in this episode and I think it's just very interesting how similar that they the things that they are going through are as well as how different they are and so it's, it's just responsibility is universal yeah it is it, it... It's such an interesting... Everything that goes on in this episode to me is just so interesting and in, in how it balances. What's our personal responsibility to protect others? What do we do when other people are giving responsibilities to us and whether or not we agree with them or don't agree with them? Um, but there's a lot to process in this episode of just... the In the way that every character behaves, what is driving them to do that? And what is really the, the responsibility they have to things? Because a lot of times it is this moral compass that leads to it or is it the responsibilities given to us by the the fire lord who's you know wanting zuko to capture the avatar as a way and so zuko's going to do it not necessarily because he agrees with it but because you know he's got this sense of needing to go home and this belongingness and everything else that we've kind of chatted about so it's just very interesting on the motives of what who gives us our responsibilities? Do we give it to ourselves or is it pushed on us? And then how do we respond and what does that really look like? It's just a interesting thing to dive into on this episode. For sure. Uh, uh, up next, we are going to chat about what are our takeaways from this episode? How do we uh, uh, look through the lens of responsibility and how do we talk about that in a sense of earth and what does that look like? So we'll be right back with that portion of our episode.
All right, and we're back to kind of talk about responsibility and then Earth. If we're looking at it from the element side of Earth as we're moving through the Avatar cycle, what are the characteristics of Earth um, when you kind of think about how that plays? There's other things that come up for me when it comes to Earth are I think about how Earth is grounding. It's stable. I think that Earth... I think of structure and you know uh, it's the foundation of everything that those are kind of the the things that come up yeah I think it's, I think of the mountains I think of the, the it's so it's very vast when you think about our own planet of what earth is um, it's got so many different forms that it shapes across that so it's pretty diverse in what yeah, it can yeah, do yeah. high peaks um, low valleys, low valleys and, and then honestly I, I almost I think of you know farming and so You've got earth that can be very tough and hard, yeah, and, and cultivation and then, of resources. Um, you can pull all of these resources out of it, but for you to do that a lot of times, too, you got to work with work. it, and you got to yeah. move with it. And so I think that, um, but it is the base. You are grounded. You are planted. It is going to be this. Um, you are going to be kind of where you are Stand and your source and find your roots. And um, I think that that's kind of what I think of when it comes to strengths. You really, it's dependable. Yeah. right you're you're not able to you know you can mold it to what it needs to be and it's going to be there for you um it's there for the long term it's it's going to continue to think about the future um what are some challenges you think of of an earth personality or, or type yeah some of the things come up for me immediately after hearing a lot of that is that it's like it's stubborn uh, it's really it's, hard to move it's hard to move it's unyielding sometimes especially with with, with rock like it's it's hard to penetrate it's hard to move but when you get it to the point where it is moved it can be really beautiful and it can be really um it can be really rigid not flexible doesn't it might break and not be willing to bend Mm -hmm. and so uh i think that sometimes earth by itself if you aren't cultivating it can be can be boring if you aren't pouring water into the earth so that they can work together to nourish and grow things like you have to have oxygen from the air you have to have water you have to have all the other elements mixed with the earth to really get that richness and diversity and so it can be boring by itself i think yeah and so when it comes in terms of responsibilities and things that you have to do what do you what's something that you kind of want to work on this week in terms of the earth processes so i i view earth as um, what are the processes and plans that I'm putting into place to help me be successful long term? And so when it comes to the responsibilities you have, what's something that you personally want to do or work on over the next week um, to focus on that earth side of things, to focus on that long term planning and the responsibility that you have either to yourself or to others? You know, one of the things that comes up for me is that I, we just moved into a new home. Um, and I really want to make sure that in order for me to live my best life, my outer life has to be clean and, and orderly and look neat in order for my inner life to be stable. And so I really want to kind of focus on the order and structure of making sure the yard is kept up, making sure that the grass is mowed, making sure like, and that seems like a really small thing, but it's my responsibility to make sure that things are done. And if... I can feel better after doing those things, then it's my responsibility to make sure that I'm doing it for myself mm-hmm. as well as for the responsibility of just making sure that 
like my dog is taken care of and isn't getting mud in the house because we've put mulch outside. And so there's just a lot of little details that call, come to mind around just the responsibility of taking care of my life. Yeah, for me in, in the same vein, I've, there's always things I want to get done for either my own personal self-care like Aang does or there's things that I know that need to get done just so that I can be productive, paying the bills, doing those types of things. But it's all my struggle has always been because I'm not very earthy. Um, I'm try to be better about thinking long term, but for the most part, I, I'm very in the moment. And so, the process that's worked for me over the past year that I've kind of crafted that's done well is I set time in my calendar um, for each individual task, but I make sure that it is a block of time that's generous enough for me to get it done, but not too far. But that way it's plotted out specifically on my calendar that I know that this is the time that's going to be dedicated to meditating. This is the time that's going to be dedicated to going to a concert. This is the time that is dedicated to me answering emails. And I've got flexibility built in there that allows for other people to help move because if you know we don't want to be too stuck in our ways. Um, but it also is going to be providing me the time that I need to know that, that I can get the jobs done. And that's been a process that I've been able to kind of put into place. And so I wonder if that looks what that looks like for other people. What's the process that you can put in place to help you achieve the goals that you want to do? But if we don't, if we're talking in the vague and we don't put structure there, it's going to be tough to kind of live into. And so if you're listening here, I just want you to think about maybe it's not a structure or a system that you're going to put in place, but what in terms of the earth part of you do you want to focus on in terms of how you're going to look at a lens of responsibility mm -hmm. this week? Uh, and we just challenge you to let us know. Send us, send us how you, how are you dealing with this? How are you processing it? What are the things that you're doing that we can share and talk about, uh, so that we can be better and so that our community can be better? We'd love to hear from you. Absolutely. If there's anything that came out of this episode for you that you want us to know, even if it doesn't deal with the lens of responsibility, please email that uh, to thearchive at gmail.com. We would love to hear your stories and hear how Avatar has impacted you. Um, if you've got any uh, quick things you want to send our way, Twitter is a great way, at the Arc of E. Um, but again, this has been the episode of, of Bending Not Breaking, focused on the Avatar Returns through the lens of responsibility. Next week, Ben, what are we diving into? What's our lens going to be for the, for the third episode from this season? Yeah, I'm really excited because episode three, we're going to be looking at uh, through a lens of generosity. And I think that that can be challenging to be generous. I'm just excited to kind of dive into that episode and think about what it uh, what it really means and how Aang and Zuko and Katara and Sokka can teach us about generosity as well. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. Join us next week for that. Thank you so much for joining us this week and listening to this episode of Bending Not Breaking. I'm Alex Mayfield. And I am Ben Pruitt. And thank you for listening. Thank you.